Good morning. I'll be reading from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth, and he shall execute justice and righteous in the land. In those days, Judah shall be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and said, and tried to discern what this sort of greeting might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived the son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well, thank you, Brad and Eddie, for reading the Word of God for us as uh, we've now lit the second candle on our Advent wreath. My name is uh, Randy Madison. I'm uh, the interim executive pastor here at uh, Carnegie Free. I'm here just temporarily. I guess we're all temporary, but some of us are more temporary than others, right? And I've just so much enjoyed uh, my time here with you over the last couple of uh, months, enjoyed getting to know many of you. Today we're going to be focusing on the theme or the topic of faith. If you were here last week, then you know that we were centered on the theme of, uh, of hope. That was the first theme of the Advent season, the first uh, candle on our Advent wreath. And now this morning we're going to make a transition and we're going to be talking about faith. If you're in a life group, and I want to put a plug in for these life groups now for just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to go, to go deeper this week, and you can actually talk about, have a discussion, a little Bible study on what is the relationship between faith and hope. That's one of the reasons that I'm a big believer as uh, Pastor Adrian is, in life groups because it gives you an opportunity to actually get into the Word of God and to study it, apply it into your life in a deeper way than just hearing a sermon 
on Sunday morning. So I would encourage you to check one of those out to consider that if you're not currently in a group. But this morning we're going to talk about Mary and her faith journey. And we're going to see that she was not just some kind of stained glass saint or a perfect picture icon as we many times consider her, but she's a real human being like you and me. And we're going to look at this faith journey that she's on as the angel Gabriel comes to her. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Lord, um, we love you and we thank you for Christmas. Because Christmas isn't about stuff. It isn't about all of the shopping we can do till we drop. But the real reason for the season is our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today, Lord, to consider you. And to consider what you might have for us in our own lives as we seek to follow you more closely during this Christmas season. We thank you for Mary, for her story for the fact that you chose her to to actually bring into this world the perfect Son of God. And now, Lord, as we look at her story and her journey today, I pray that you would help us to find something here personal, something practical, because your word is so practical, it's so relevant, it is so personal. Help us to find something here, Lord, in this story. You put it here for a reason. For each one of us today, I pray and ask in Jesus' name and for his honor and glory. Amen. Well, I've got a question for you this morning. Have you ever been troubled at Christmas time? And let me clarify my question. I'm not asking, have you ever been in trouble at Christmas time? And I'm not asking, have you ever experienced troubles? At Christmas time. What I want to know this morning is have you ever been troubled? Troubled at Christmas time. Over Thanksgiving here just a couple of weeks ago, Elizabeth and I were making a long road trip back from, from Arkansas to visit uh, one of my daughters and our grandchildren. And uh, you've got to understand this story. I was already mad at Siri, okay, when this took place. Because she was taking us on a route that I didn't think we should be going on. And she routed us through, through Kansas City to come home. And so we're in Kansas City and we're on our way back here to Nebraska. And all of a sudden we're getting ready to get on I-29 North to come up to, to Omaha. And the phone goes off. Now my wife's already on the phone and my phone goes off. And it's somebody in the family. And I missed the exit. I missed the turnoff. And I became troubled. I was agitated. I wasn't behaving, in other words, like you would expect a pastor to behave in a car, okay? But that was my situation. I was in turmoil. I was agitated. I was steamed. I was, whatever you want to call it, I was all stirred up. And I think we've all been there and done that, haven't we? Maybe we're not supposed to be there, but we we get there sometimes as believers. And so... Let me just see your hands for a moment. Everybody that wants to be honest this morning, how many of you have at some point in your life been troubled at Christmas time? Can I see your hand? I'm glad we've got a group of honest people here today. 
I think everybody had their hand up, or virtually everybody, because we've all been there just like Mary. And what I want you to see this morning is this angel shows up on her doorstep here in Luke chapter 1. We're going to see that she begins to struggle. And then as we look at her struggle, and there are four little descriptors I'm going to use to describe this struggle for you. As we see her struggling, we see her come to a place of surrender in her life and her relationship with the Lord. And then as she surrenders, we see her actually take steps of action. She, she submits herself to the Lord and she, she actually follows through on her faith. There, there's feet to her faith. And then we're going to see that she, she breaks out in this incredible song of praise and worship at the end of her story. So this angel comes knocking on her door on this occasion. I hope you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 1. And look at uh, the verses again that were just read for us by Brad and by Eddie. And notice this angel shows up in the city of Nazareth in Galilee. And this is the first time she's ever seen an angel. Now, I've always wanted to see an angel. I never have in person. My father-in-law has had some supernatural experiences. How would you respond if an angel showed up on your doorstep tomorrow? Well, you would be troubled too. And that's what the Bible describes Mary as in verse 29. Look at the story. The Bible says she was not only troubled, but she was greatly troubled. In other words, she was agitated. She was trying to make sense of this. She was all stirred up. And what interests me about this word that the Bible chooses to use here to describe Mary is it's the same word that Jesus uses to describe himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember the story in Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is about ready to go to the cross? He says, now my soul is troubled. This is the same word used in John chapter 14, 1, when the Bible tells us that we're not supposed to be troubled. Jesus said in, in John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He wants to bring us to that place of trust or rest in our relationship with him. And yet sometimes we find ourselves all stirred up, agitated, anxious. And this word really describes water that is in turmoil or like boiling water. It's the same word used in John chapter 5. You remember that, that invalid that was laying beside the pool of Bethesda and was wanting to get in when the water was stirred up? That's this word. It's like the boiling up, the bubbling up, the stirring up of water when we, we get agitated in our, our heart or our soul. And we, we, we know we shouldn't be there. We should be trusting. But, but the reality is that's, that's where we are. It's the same word used in John 14, 27 when he said, peace, he being Jesus, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And many times this, this word troubled that we're talking about is linked to the word fear or anxiety in the New Testament. If you, you do a study of it, and 
In my notes this morning, we don't have time, but in, in Luke 1, 12 and 13, verse 30 in Luke 1, chapter 24 in Luke, John 14, 27, many times this word is linked with the word fear or anxiety because when we get stirred up and we get agitated, then, then many times fear or anxiety is, is just around the corner. It's, it's just a short step to that, that destination in our lives. And believe me, I've been there and done that many times. And so Mary is troubled. Her faith, she believes in God. She believes in God. God has chosen her. She's a recipient of God's grace, His favor. The story tells us this. She believes in God. But she's struggling right now to trust God in this situation. And then I want you to notice verse 29. Notice what the Bible goes on to tell us. It says that she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, underline that little word discern in the ESV version of the Bible. The NIV says that she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The word used here is, is a word which describes pondering or cogitating. That's an old word we don't use very much anymore. She was cogitating. She was trying to figure it out, in other words. It's, I mean, it's not every day that an angel shows up on your doorstep. And so she's, she, she's not only in angst, but she's clouded with confusion. She's trying to make sense of this situation. And so she's trying to figure it out, to discern. And it's interesting, this word that the Bible uses here to describe Mary is the same word used in Luke chapter 24, verse 38, to describe the disciples right after the resurrection. You remember when Jesus came alongside of the disciples on the road to Emmaus? And uh, he's, he's having a conversation with them. And, and, he, and, and then after that, he appears to the disciples in, in, in the room, and he, he asks his disciples, why are you troubled? Same word. Why are you troubled? Why are you stirred up? Why, why are you so agitated? And why do you doubt? And that's this second word that's used here in verse 29. Why do you doubt? Why do you have conflicting thoughts? Why do you look so confused? Didn't I talk about this before I was risen from the dead, that I was going to do this? But that's Mary's situation. She's, she's confused. She's reeling a little bit, trying to figure it out. And, and this happens to all of us at times, doesn't it? When God shows up in your life and He taps you on the shoulder... And he wants you to take a step of faith or he wants you to trust him in some way that maybe you haven't trusted him before. Yeah, you believe in him, but he wants you to trust in him. Many times we're in this same state of turmoil that Mary found herself in and, and we're confused when we're trying to make sense of it. Now look at verse 34 in this story for just a moment. I hope you've got your Bible open or scroll down on your phone, however you get your scripture. And look at verse 34. The Bible goes on to tell us, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, my ESV study Bible, and study Bibles are supposed to be right, it says that, Mary wasn't like Zechariah, she believed. 
But guess what? I'm going to disagree with the ESV study Bible. Can I do that? Yeah, Mary comes to a place of believing, but look at verse 34 again. How will this be? Since I'm a virgin. Well, that's a logical question, right? I mean, there have been no virgin births in, the, in all of human history, so that, that makes sense to ask that question. And it's just, she's wondering, how is this going to happen? There's a little bit of doubt here, I think. She's a human being. How is God going to pull this one off? And she's asking herself that question, or pardon me, asking the angel that question at this point. How will this be since, since I'm a virgin? I mean, this isn't possible. I mean, it, it, it does, doesn't happen. And so she's disturbed by doubt. And she's struggling, I think, momentarily with some doubt as a human being as the angel approaches her here. And she does that despite the promises that God gives her. Look at verses 31 through 33 there. God gives her all of these wonderful descriptors of this, this baby that she's going to have the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the ESV version, it's just so beautiful. Uh, she's going to conceive and bear a son, and this is really the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And uh, they were to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with you or God with us. And isn't it interesting at the beginning of this story when the angel first shows up, she says, uh, behold, God is with you. And you know, God is with us, but how many times is God with us and we don't feel him and we don't sense it and, and we're, we're struggling with maybe what he's asking us to do and here again, I think that's, that's Mary's situation in this story and so despite God's reassuring promises and this incredible description of, of Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him to the throne of of his father David will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end now I just want to step away from my notes for a minute and make an observation isn't it interesting how much or how many times we put our faith in a political system, or in a president, or in a senator, or in whatever. But I think it's clear in Scripture that there will be no president, there will be no form of government. There, there's, nothing will ever bring perfect peace to your heart until you know the Lord Jesus Christ, or to this earth until He reigns. And so that's why it says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, his kingdom will be like no other kingdom or no other presidency or whatever it is, no other political system of his kingdom. There will be no end because it's going to go on forever. And so we have Mary here and she's dialoguing with this angel and she's got a little bit of doubt momentarily. And notice that the angel does something very interesting here. Look at verses 36 and 37 in the story. He kind of bumps her along. He kind of nudges her along 
to strengthen her in her faith. And so he gives her some, some evidences or some reassurances so that she will believe. And so we read these words. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. In other words, she was past childbearing age. Nobody thought she could have a baby. And yet she's six months pregnant, Mary. And I want you to know that. And and the, the angel is trying to encourage her. And then he ends with these words, for nothing is impossible with God. And so he gives her this, this reassurance, and she's relying on these reassurances. Let me just see your hands again for a moment. How many of you have ever needed a little bit of a God sighting or a little nudge from the Lord to, to just reassure you that you're on the right path? To just help strengthen your faith. We all need that, don't we? And that's what the angel's doing here, giving her some reassurance, and she relies on this reassurance in the midst of her doubt and this confusion and the, the angst that she's going through. And the angel concludes with, by saying, for nothing is impossible with God. And if, if you're taking notes this morning on your little insert, you might want to fill that in. Because the big idea, and I skipped over that at the beginning, the big idea of this whole story, I think, is this, and you can fill this in too. When we struggle to trust in God and His promises we can still confidently surrender to God's will and to submit to His Word. And the reason we can do that is because our faith doesn't depend on ourselves. Our faith is in Him, and nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Can we just say that together? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, what, how much is nothing? Well, nothing is nothing. You know what nothing means? That means that God is big enough to pull anything off. So whatever your situation in life this morning, and I don't know what it is, maybe God is, is asking you to step out in faith and, and take a step of faith and, and do something that is... Let's, let's, you're, you're a little bit stirred up. You're a little bit anxious about it. I mean, gulp, this is a step of faith. Or maybe you're in a situation in your life this morning and God's put something in your circumstances that you just don't understand. And it's confusing. And you're trying to make sense of it. And you don't understand this morning is the, is the, is the reality. You're not sure you do understand, but God is asking you this morning to trust Him. And His word to you is, if you will trust me, I will bring you through it. I'll bring you to it. I'll help you through it or whatever it is. Because nothing is impossible with God. And the proof of that is the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I really like the way the NIV version translates this verse of Scripture. In the ESV, which we use most of the time here at Carney E. Free, and it's the, the translation that I use, it's actually in the future tense. The NIV is the only translation that I'm aware of that puts this in the present. But I like it because the reality is, the truth is, it's not only that nothing will, 
will never be impossible with God's future, but nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything, past, present, or future. And so that's the promise to Mary here in this situation. I'm reminded of a story of Oliver Cromwell, who was a, a Puritan, strong military leader, member of parliament in England. And he, was, he sent his secretary, kind of like an ambassador to the continent on one occasion, on some kind of mission. And this ambassador, this secretary of Oliver Cromwell, was out on this mission and he went to bed one night and he couldn't sleep. He's tossing and he's turning in bed and he's tossing and he's turning. Finally he gets up at, er, in the early morning hours and he goes out into this, uh, this living room or this waiting room and his uh, assistant is there. And he asks, what's the matter? And he says, well, I'm so afraid that something is going to go wrong with this mission that we're on that I'm just, I'm in turmoil. And this assistant turns to this this ambassador, and he, he asked him a question. He said, let me ask you, was God in control of the world before we were born? And he said, well, yes, he was. And he says, will God be in control of the world when we're dead and gone? And he said, well, yes, he will. And he said, then can you trust God with this present moment? And when he asked him that question, it's like peace just filled his soul. He was able to rest, to just come to that place of surrender and trust in the situation that he was facing in, in, in that particular mission. Now to this point in the story, that's where Mary has been. She's been tossing and turning. Tossing and turning. She's been troubled. She's been struggling. But now look at verse 38. She comes to a place of surrender. She believed in God, but he's asking her to go deeper, to trust him. This is her role in his plan, and she's been chosen. I mean, it's overwhelming. And so this is what she says in response. And Mary said, after the angel said, nothing will be impossible with God, Mary said, behold, I'm your servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is a surrender moment. At this point, I think Mary stops struggling and she starts surrendering. You know what the word servant means here in verse 38? It's the word bond slave. You know what a bond slave is? A bond slave is somebody who is bound to somebody else to serve them. She says, Lord, I'm your bond slave. Whatever your plan, I want to be a part of it. Whatever you're calling me to be or do, I'm your bond slave. And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. I surrender. If that's your plan and you want me to be a part of it in this way, let, let it be to me according to your word. And so she has this surrender moment, this time when she, she, she actually trusts the Lord in a deeper way. I would illustrate in this way. I think this is a great illustration of faith. Let's pretend for a moment that this little 
stool or podium, whatever you want to call it, that's holding my Bible is actually a chair. Okay, that's a chair. You know, I've sat down in a lot of chairs in my life. And so intellectually, I know that if I walk up and sit down in that chair, it'll support my weight. And I've been standing up here now for about 25 minutes talking. I'm a little bit tired. Stood up here during the first service too, and I'm older than Adrian is, okay? So I, I, can I be tired? I'm tired. I'm a little bit tired. I'd like to sit down in that chair. And so emotionally, I'd like to sit down. But when does the chair actually support my weight? When I decide as an act of my will to sit down in the chair. And that's authentic faith. You see, in America today, we've got a lot of people that say they believe, but it's really just an intellectual assent. Oh, yeah, they believe there's a God. Oh, yeah, they believe that maybe Jesus came and he lived and he died. But it's all up here. It's intellectual. It's at a mind level. And maybe emotionally, they'd like their lives to change. But genuine faith also involves the component of our will. We have to come to that place where we actually place our trust in Him. We trust Him to be our Savior and our Lord. And so we actually sit down in the chair. We let Him have our life. We give our life to Him. And I think Mary goes deeper in her surrender to the Lord at this point in time. She trusts Him in a deeper way. It isn't just, I believe you, God, up here, but I trust in you, Lord. And she surrenders to Him and is willing to be a part of His plan. Now look at verses 39 and 40 and 45 just very quickly. And notice what Mary does after this. She runs to meet her relative, Elizabeth. You see verses 39 and 40? And this is very interesting to me because I think authentic faith has always worked out in action. There are, we put feet to our faith. And that's what Mary does in this situation. She hears the angel talking about her, her, her relative Elizabeth who's expecting a child. And what does she do? Immediately after surrendering and trusting the Lord in this situation, well, the Bible says she makes haste. She doesn't waste any time. She runs to meet Elizabeth. And they compare notes and they celebrate together. Elizabeth's going to have John the Baptist and she's going to have Jesus. And so this becomes a great celebration at the end of this story. I think the struggle here that, that Mary went through is a lot like Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. It's interesting in the New Testament, in, in Romans, it says that, uh, that Abraham didn't waver. Remember that, those words, he didn't waver. Well, maybe he didn't waver, but I think he wobbled a little bit. Because if you read the Old Testament in Genesis, uh, they, they, they laugh at the thought that, that, that Sarah can have a baby until they finally are convinced and they, they come to that place of trusting Him in a deeper way and actually uh, believe Him that this is actually going to happen. And so Mary puts feet to her faith, and in verse 45 we read these words. Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed. Look at verse 45. Underline that word. Mary fully embraces what God has told her in this situation. She believes and that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her of the Lord. Many years ago, 
And I've had to be reminded of this over and over again in my own life because I, I get to this place over and over again. Don't you wish that you sometimes could get beyond it in the Christian life? And I, I think, of, man, I should be beyond this now. But as a younger pastor, I was struggling with some stuff that was happening in my life and in the church at that time. And one night I woke up and it was like the Lord just spoke to me. And this, this is what I heard. And I went the next morning and I opened up my Bible and this is the Christmas story. And this is what I thought the Lord was telling me that night as, as I was just tossing and turning in my bed. Randy, God is in control. God has a plan. And God is working all things according to His will. Your job is to trust Him. And that's really the Christmas story, isn't it? Because it didn't make sense to Joseph. He thought... What do I do? She's with child. I don't understand this. He was confused too. By Old Testament law, he could have stoned her. They could have stoned her. But he took her as his wife. He trusted. God was in control, even though it didn't make sense to Joseph or Mary. God was in control. God had a plan. We know the plan now. And God was working out all things according to his will. And their job was to trust him to surrender, to submit, and follow the plan. And so at the end of the story, if you look at verses 46 through 55 here at the end of Luke 1, Mary has a song. They call it Mary's Magnificat. When Adrian heard that I was going to say something about this this morning, he asked me if I was going to rap this song. I said, no, I'm not going to rap it. That's my son. But you know, if they had rap back in those days, Mary would have been rapping it. <laughs> she would have. Read it. Verses 46 through 55. She just breaks out in song, in praise. And that's what happens in all of our lives. When we come to a place of surrender, the next step is just praise and worship and song because it's true. And this is just one of four songs in the Christmas story. Did you know that? We have Mary's song here in verses 46 through 55. We've got Zachariah's song at the end of chapter 1. We've got the angel's song in Luke chapter 2 verse 14. And then we've got Simeon's song at the end of chapter 2. Just very quickly, look at Simeon for a moment. Look at verse 29 in Luke chapter 2. And notice his prayer as he breaks out into song. He's blessing and praising God because God has promised him that he would hold the baby Jesus before he died. And now he's holding Christ in his, his arms. Can you imagine that, what he must have felt? Holding the Savior of the world in his arms. And he says... Now you can let me depart in peace. I'm your servant according to your word. Now notice the word servant and notice the phrase according to your word. This is really surrender, isn't it? It's the same word servant that Mary used. It's the same phrase that Mary used when she said, let it be to me according to your word. He says, according to your word. He surrenders to God's plan and his place in God's plan. 
And then he breaks out in praise and worship and song. I would have loved to have been there. But you know what? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, we're all going to have a moment better than even that moment. And you know what that moment is? He's coming back again. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to this planet again. And the scripture says that every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is Lord. And what a moment that's going to be as we worship him together, as we, we rejoice in celebrating the coming of our, our Savior and King back to this planet. And so now our team is coming and they're going to lead us in, oh, come all ye faithful. I think Christmas deserves a song, doesn't it? Let's stand together as we enter into Mary's song with her and the angel's song and we worship him together. Oh, come all ye faithful.